in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. Good morning. Look at this lightning streaks across the sky overnight. This from our producer Madison Nosek as the storms moved over North Austin at the domain. Uh, and this continued well into the night. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. Good morning. I'm Erica Brennis. We could see a few more storms today and it's still going to be so hot. <laughs> yes, that's true. I mean, when it comes to these storm chances, they're not going to be quite as abundant as what we had yesterday and the heat's not going to be as bad either. That's the good news. Right. So <laughs> let me show you what's going on with this forecast here because the storms that we had linger overnight that kept probably some of us up with how noisy they were. Those have since started to weaken and right now we're just tracking some weak thunderstorms, some weak showers pushing through Burnett, Blanco and Gillespie County. Austin underneath the cloudy sky and probably a few sprinkles left over but the heaviest part of this has since passed the south and we're just left with some light rain left over. Now, we do have a few more storm chances on the way for the later part of today, but we are wrapping up round one. Temperatures cooler in its wake. We are in those mid to upper 70s this morning, 75 in Giddings, 75 LaGrange, 77 in Austin. You'll find more of those mid to upper 70s out west. But look at the difference between right now and 24 hours ago. A good four to eight degrees cooler. And yes, we continue this cooling trend, relatively speaking, into the afternoon. We lost our excessive heat warning. We still have a heat advisory, though, and this kicks in at 1 o'clock, continues until 9. It's for those temperatures getting into the upper 90s and the heat indices up to about 110, 112. But that is an improvement from where we've been, believe it or not. So we'll go with the forecast high of 99. 20% chance of some spot storms later on today. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit more about those storm chances and the heat that will come back. It does get worse heading into the weekend. Those details in my first warning forecast, but unfortunately, our neighbors up in West Texas had a rough day yesterday. At least four people are dead and at least nine people are hurt after a tornado near Lubbock. Matador is a small town about 80 miles northeast of the hub city. According to reports, the tornado struck Matador around 8 p.m. last night and destroyed dozens of buildings, trees, flipped over semi-trucks, some highways west of the town, totally impassable because of the damage from that tornado. And the fire department in Lubbock said it sent a heavy rescue team to assist with rescue efforts. We will stay on top of this for you for friends and family in the area. An update later on this morning. Thank you, Kristen. The next few hours could be the most critical right now in that ongoing search for that missing submersible. It's believed to be two and a half miles below the Atlantic Ocean surface. No one's seen this sub with five people inside since Sunday. Last heard from less than two hours after it began a jury to explore the wreckage of the Titanic. The emergency oxygen supply inside that small capsule could be empty before noon. The U.S. Coast Guard is the lead agency in a rescue effort that includes teams from around the world. The search area is twice the size of Connecticut, and a Canadian aircraft using sonar buoys detected underwater noises, which have some been described as banging. Experts are using specialized acoustic equipment to analyze that sound to rule out other ships or marine life. The challenge for the rescuers is to separate you know, the needle in the haystack is to separate that signal that they want to hear from all the other sounds that are, are happening there. 
If the sub is found at the bottom of the ocean, there will still be many obstacles to bring it to the surface. Later on today, we'll get an update from the Coast Guard on their, their search. The rules are now set for the impeachment trial of suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton. Those proceedings are now scheduled to begin on September 5th. The trial will be open to the public, but the deliberations when senators decide whether or not to convict, those will be private. Witnesses will be sworn under oath, senators voting on those rules last night. But after the, the vote, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick read one rule out aloud, reminding senators they're not allowed to talk about the case. They're also not supposed to take a position on the case until after they hear the evidence. On this issue, you're united to take an oath so that justice prevails, that everyone will do their job to the utmost in fairness in this impeachment trial upcoming in September. Paxton's the only witness explicitly required to appear before the Senate on September 5th. The Dallas Morning News is reporting the Texas AG's office tried to pay Paxton for June despite his impeachment and suspension. Texas Comptroller's office ruled Paxton would not receive pay while suspended and awaiting the outcome of his trial. Comptroller's office told the newspaper that when it received that payroll request from the AG's office, it put a hold on payroll for the whole agency. Spokesperson said paychecks for the office's more than 4,000 employees should still arrive on time. We reach out to the AG's office and the Comptroller's office and are still waiting to hear back. Del Valley ISD now has an open seat on the school board. The district says it learned that one of their trustees lives within Austin ISD. Counsel for the district revealed Damian Pantoja of District 2 previously filed a sworn statement of residency in Austin ISD in order to obtain a homestead exemption. They add that according to Texas Education Code, Pantoja cannot hold office in Del Valley ISD. In a full statement sent over on Facebook, Pantoja said it was never his intent to vacate a seat, but claims his error gave opponents the opportunity to remove him. He also called on Del Valley ISD to call a special election to fill the remainder of his term. How your energy bill could be impacted as we face more triple-digit heat with feels like temperatures breaking records. And KXN investigators continuing to dig into the past of a man officials are calling a serial killer. What an attorney who once represented Raul Mesa Jr. in the front of the Texas Parole Board has to say. Good morning, I want to show you this right now. We're tracking uh, about 3,000 customers with Austin Energy who are without power. It looks like 95 individual uh, outages. This is a small fraction of the overall portion of Austin, but as we had those lightning storms roll through, as we've been dealing with this intense heat, which is gonna to continue today, uh, it is something that we wanna stay on top of, and we'll update you as those numbers change throughout the morning. And as we face more triple digit heat with record feels like temperatures, you may be wondering how this could be impacting your energy bill. Austin Energy says that record heat combined with record natural gas prices forced a pass-through rate hike that we're now paying for this summer. We're also paying more for the base rate, which is how much it costs to operate the energy agency. Think employee wages and equipment. And it adds up to about 24 extra dollars per month for the average Austin Energy user, according to the agency.
Our customers are already seeing that as a part of their bill. Uh, where we see typically higher energy bills, especially for those who aren't on the, our budget billing feature, is when we get into the extreme temperature months. That would be the dead of winter, certainly January and February, and then in the in the heat of the summer, which is where we're in now. So it's understandable that those bills will rise. Austin Energy says that rate hike cost increase can be offset with conservation efforts. That's things like turning up your thermostat a few degrees or using some fans. You could get more money for letting Austin Energy adjust your thermostat. It's offering an annual rebate for customers enrolled in the Power Partner Thermostats program. That program allows Austin Energy to adjust your smart thermostat by two to four degrees on high energy use days. Customers will receive a $50 credit for each new smart thermostat that they enroll. Customers in the program will also get a $25 bill each year for credit. It's important to note that joining that program doesn't mean you lose control over your thermostat on high energy days. You can always override that setting by simply adjusting the temperature back to where you like it. The heat impacting local farmers and ranchers. How some are trying to manage as these temperatures keep going up. And we'll show you where a new walking trail is going up in one of the fastest growing cities in our area. Good morning, 4.45 on this Thursday as we take a live look outside. We saw some lightning earlier as we were looking out over downtown Austin. We'll keep an eye on that as uh, storms are moving through to our south. And as this heat drags on, farmers are doing what they can to keep their livestock and their crops from really getting cooked. Days of intense heat at Sweet Eats Fruit Farm has changed how the farm cares for its crops. Agriculture manager Mal Morales says things like tomato plants get extra water to keep them healthy. The farm is hosting its Sunflower Fest right now. He says the hardy flowers adapt, but also need more to drink. We used to irrigate them maybe once a week or every other week, but now we have to irrigate two times per week. Special measures are being taken to keep the animals cool as well. They have special fans and misting systems so that the animals can go in and lay on the cool ground. Looking closer here, it's not just the high temperatures during the day that farmers are worried about. It's also the temperatures at night that can stress out the plants, disrupt photosynthesis. You combine that with drought conditions and this leads to smaller crop yields. It can also negatively impact pollen and pollination of crops. Important crops for Texas, like rice, corn, cotton, even peaches or melons, they could all suffer from this. And uh, Kristen, you did say that you think we'll be down a little bit in terms of our temperatures today. Just a, just a few degrees, yes, which is something. Right? I feel like I felt it when I stepped outside. I was oh, like, oh, it's sure. not quite the inferno this that it's morning? been the last yeah. couple of days. Yeah, yeah, this morning. This morning is really nice, relatively yeah. speaking. Let me show you what's going on out there because the rain-cooled air brought some of us down from the low 100s yesterday afternoon to the 70s. And we're still seeing a lot of us in those 70s this morning. The storms and showers are slowly starting to fade. Those are going to be pushing to the south. They'll disappear as we get closer to sunrise. 77 degrees this morning. Northwest winds at 6 miles per hour. Still have that moisture out there, which is why your feels like temperatures are running a couple of degrees warmer than the current air temperatures. But that 99 degrees, I think, is going to feel a whole lot better than what we've been looking at recently here. And it's a short-lived and slight break. I wouldn't get too excited considering that 99 degrees is actually the coolest afternoon high I've gotten in the seven days. 
today, but we'll take it as a win. East-southeast winds will be anywhere from about 5 to 15 miles per hour today. A look at your heat index values. Again, we didn't get rid of the moisture. We used some of it to squeeze out some rain, but in general, those heat indices are still going to be between about 105 to 115 today, and that's why that excessive heat warning turned into a heat advisory here. So this is going to be in effect. This should say heat advisory through about 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. today. And I'll tell you, when it comes to the storm chances, there's a possibility some of them return late day, but they shouldn't be nearly as widespread. Shouldn't be as strong either. Only a couple isolated storms possible late day here. The severe risk is lower today compared to what we had yesterday. As you see that dark green color indicating a one out of five risk, a marginal risk, which does include most counties, yes, but I'm not expecting most counties to get wet. It's just a matter of where will these storms pop up in the afternoon. We kind of got lucky yesterday with the overachieving rain, but unfortunately we did see quite a few wind gusts exceed 60 miles per hour and then that brief tornado warning go up for Lano, although we did not see anything in the way of a confirmed tornado. What's to come after today? Well, that high pressure system is on the mid. This thing is likely going to get closer to us late weekend into next week. Some models have it squarely on top of us Monday, Tuesday, and that's why those temperatures are likely going to come up 99 today with that 20% chance of rain. But I warned you, it's going to be a slight break, a short-lived break, because tomorrow we're right back up to the century mark, and then we go from 104 to 105, maybe even 106 record-tying heat Monday, Tuesday, and your overnight lows will also be up against records in the upper 70s to low 80s for the next six to seven days. I was dealing with a psychopath. Yesterday, we introduced you to a therapist who treated a man some Austin investigators are calling a serial killer. This morning, KXAN investigators continue to dig into the past of Raul Mesa Jr. Police arrested the 62-year-old last month for the murder of the 80-year-old man that he lived with. At the time, he confessed to three other killings following his release from prison for the 1982 strangling of Kendra Page. Investigator Avery Travis takes a closer look at those years out on parole and why his case had a lasting impact on the state's parole system. When convicted murderer Raul Mesa Jr. was released from a second stint in prison for violating the conditions of his original release, all eyes were on him. The community, but also the close watch of the state's parole system. Court records show this time with release conditions so strict that for several years Mesa lived at and rarely ever left the Travis County Jail in Del Valley. He also had to comply with sex offender treatment and register as a sex offender. According to regional parole leadership, only one other person they knew of at the time faced this level of restriction. My recommendations were to not release him. I thought he was a danger to the community. These strict conditions supported by therapist Vivian Lewis, who interviewed Mesa about Kendra Page's murder and then led one of his therapy groups at the jail. Meanwhile, others were fighting to get Mesa more freedoms. The Texas Civil Rights Project helped him sue the state, arguing the conditions of release prevented him from getting a job or going to church and branded him as a sex offender when he hadn't been convicted of rape, only murder. Back then, Texas had just established what are now called Coleman hearings, where the Board of Pardons and Paroles must review evidence before placing sex offender conditions on someone not convicted of a sex crime. And that's what justice is built on in this country. 
A judge in Mesa's lawsuit ruled he had not been afforded this due process. And according to Texas attorney and parole expert Gary Cohen, it forced the state to refine how Coleman hearings were conducted. Cohen ended up representing Mesa in a Coleman hearing later on. If they had tried to help him get a job, if they had tried to help him with counseling, would he have turned out differently? Could he have taken a different path? I don't know. None of us know the answer to that. As Mesa continues to make headlines, Cohen says there's no doubt his civil case impacted Texas criminal justice system, setting precedent for future cases. We all like and don't like some parts of the law, but I think that that in uh, Coleman and Mesa, the decisions that we have have advanced criminal justice by um, providing due process when it was lacking. Keep in mind, Mesa was originally released on parole early because of a law at the time requiring someone's time served to count for their mandatory release. But shortly after Mesa's case made headlines, Texas lawmakers decided to overhaul that, allowing the parole board to deny someone's release if it believes they're a danger to the public. Around the same time, lawmakers were tackling other changes to the penal code, the prison system, and with the advent of electronic monitoring, the parole system too. We talked to a former lawmaker from back then who created what's known as super intensive supervision, one of the other conditions Mesa was placed under that's still in place today. Historically, you've had degrees of supervision of individuals, uh, and this just provided for the most serious individuals that are under supervision. Mesa's original sentence for Kendra Page's murder expired in 2017, and now police say they believe he continued to kill. He's being held in connection with two murders. APD says it's eyeing him as a suspect in as many as 10 cold cases. You can find more details to this story as well as follow all of our investigations into Raul Mesa's criminal history online at KXAN.com. You'll find it right there on the homepage. Autopsies into the two Americans who died at that luxury resort in Mexico reveal both likely died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Now the two paramedics who responded to their hotel room are in the hospital as well. Paramedics could barely make it back to their ambulance to receive oxygen after trying to save 28-year-old Abby Lutz and 41-year-old John Heathco. It's not known how long those paramedics were in the room, but according to News Nation, a number of current and former employees of that hotel claim gas detectors were often deactivated because guests kept complaining about them going off. The hotel has yet to respond. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. It is draft night in the NBA, and there will be a celebration in San Antonio. On Wednesday, it was pre-draft news conference days. Some of the first-round picks or potential ones having their intimate gatherings with the media. And then there was Victor Wembayana, the Frenchman, who will be drafted by the Spurs number one overall. Some calling him the best prospect since LeBron. And Wembayana, pretty aware of NBA history because when the Spurs got that number one pick, he knew exactly what to think about it. When the Spurs got the number one pick, I was... I was just thinking, I was, I was feeling lucky that they got the pick uh, as, a, as a franchise that has that culture and that, that, uh, that experience in, in, in winning and in making, creating good players, you know. So uh, I really can't wait. 
Should be quite a scene in the Alamo City tonight. By the way, the other Texas teams in the first round, Mavericks with the 10th pick and the Rockets with the 20th pick overall. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.